It seems to be the year of the walking wounded. More NRL stars sidelined. Plus in Brisbane, there's a crisis of another kind. We pull that one apart, but wait, there's more. The storm make the Sunshine Coast home, so how will that impact their results? Plus, is Benji Marshall on the move? And have we seen the resurrection of Sean Johnson? Seven rounds down, 13 more to go before the final series of the NRL Telstra Premiership kicks off in 2020. That was a great round. Jamie Soward, Michael Chamis, about 30 minutes to get through all the talking points of today. Quickly off the top, what fancied you both most out of the round? I love the ability of the wingers and the finishing we're seeing at the moment. I mean, yeah, you have a look at Siona Katoa the last couple of weeks, Tommy Talao as well. It's just been amazing. Should they get paid more? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the finish of the Raiders-Eels game. Great to see. Forwards playing big minutes. Gutherson getting the job done at the end of the game. It's, uh, yeah, it's good football. A couple of good games in a row now from Parramatta. It's been entertaining. Absolutely. And we cannot ignore the fact that there has been more injuries uh, again over round seven. We have to discuss that off the top. Unfortunately, more superstars in the Go Healthy Vitamins casualty ward. If we take a look at that screen there, Corey Horsburgh facing 12 weeks on the sideline. But up the top, Mitch Moses, like you both mentioned, a great game from the Eels, but he's out indefinitely. Cameron Munster still waiting on results for the scan. Matthew Lodge has to be tested, but it seems positive out of there with Will Hoppawati suffering a syndesmosis injury six to eight weeks and of course the trifecta for the Roosters so disappointing. Michael we know that um, this season has thrown anything and everything at these NRL players. Are we seeing more injuries though? I think we're noticing it more with the surface. You know, we're playing a lot of games on the same surface given the, the start of the year we had and the COVID break we have to play at the same venue so I think we are seeing people finding reasons for injuries. I don't know if they are related. I don't think anyone can pinpoint why they are occurring, but there's no doubt the, the Roosters are the big losers out of the weekend. Two ACLs in the one game, and especially Victor Adler, who everyone was talking about as an origin, almost a shoo-in given the way he started the year. So, yeah, the, the Roosters will hurt from that. And I, and I was Parramatta's run halted a little bit with Mitchell Moses, but I don't know if he could blame the surface on what's going on with these players. I think maybe the breaks probably had a an outcome as well in, in all this. And what about in terms of the, the contact training? Do you think mm. the break from contact, Jamie, could have had an effect? Yeah, look, I think it all comes into effect in 2020. For me, we're probably highlighted by the fact that it's so many high-profile players. You look at Cameron Munster, you look at Victor Radley, out of the weekend, you know, usually we may see one a season. We're seeing it uh, now on the same weekend. So if you have a look at Munsters, that's nothing to do with the service. That's just unlucky. So, yeah, I think it's it's really unlucky. It's sad, but unfortunately, that's the way it is. Yeah, and they're not the only ones. We did put together sort of a walking wounded team, which looks like a representative side from when uh, the NRL resumed post-COVID. And as you can see there, there's, there's huge amounts. I mean, Val Holmes was pushed to the wing because Tom Dvojevic takes the fullback <laughs> spot. And I don't want to start naming players in position here, but uh, Dylan Walker, uh, Cameron Munster, Mitch Moses, all out. And then, like you've both mentioned, the two ACLs. But we've got an extended bench. We've got a 21-man team here who have all suffered injuries and not to suggest that it is just from the playing surface, which it absolutely isn't. But does it seem like it is a, a really... Um, I, I think it's highlighted more, Katie, because it's a shorter comp, so it's okay. more critical. Like it, these, these injuries now, when you've only got 12 or 13 weeks left to play, they are far more significant. When you, if, if you happen in round six normally, you'd have another four weeks, another month to get back on the field. So I think the injuries in a shortened season are far more significant than they were, so which you're playing a lot of... You're missing one. There's no coach. 
Do you want to name a coach? Steve, Steve Kearney has got an injury. I think he's put him in the team. Yeah, gosh, you're brutal. Out of that team, though, um, which player would be impacted the most? Which club will be impacted by that? I think you've got to look at Parramatta in the short future. You have a look at what they've been able to build over the last two weeks. Great effort against the Roosters. Learned some hard lessons playing against the, the champs. But on the weekend, they get out of that. It's easy to adapt to that stuff during a game. It's the, the aftermath. You know, can Dylan Brown step up? Who do they play at seven to be able to fill that role? How do they adjust to that on the run? You saw the effects of Manly on the weekend. They had a week to prepare without Trebojevic and Dylan Walker, but I think man, uh, Parramatta, mate, the next couple of weeks may struggle. I, I disagree. I think Manly are the team that are going to be hit hard. I think Parramatta will be fine. The draw, they've had two cup tough weeks and the draw will get a little bit easier for them. But Manly with no Tom Trebojevic, no Dylan Walker, and they'll only get him back for, what, maybe a month before the finals? I think that you'd, have, you'd rather have him a lot longer in your system before you get back into playing finals football. To me, Manly have been hit hard. The, the thing with Parramatta, though, is that the next month without Mitchell Moses, they may have an easier part of the draw, but then it's working back in to get to what they had the last two weeks. And I agree with Manly as well, with Chamis. A lot was made about Cherry Evans' performance yesterday and Tom Trebojevic not being there, but when you lose your six and one in the same game, it, it takes a, it'll take a couple of weeks to get it used to. Unfortunately for Manly, they play Newcastle and Canberra the next two weeks. So. Yeah, the playing surface on a lot of the grounds has been a common topic that we've spoken about. Bank West was the one that came under sort of fire, looking a little worse for wear after round seven, but Graham Annesley did say that it's being relayed, the turf will be relayed and ready to go for Friday's match between the Eels and the Cowboys. In further discussions with Bankwest Stadium, uh, they had a, pr a program in place where they had intended after round eight next weekend, they had intended to replace basically the entire playing surface, not for any safety reasons, but just because they, they can, uh, they've decided to bring that forward by a week. Uh, so as of uh, late last night, they started that process. By the time we get to round eight, this coming week, um, uh, there'll be effectively a brand new playing surface. It's not because of any safety concerns about what happened over the course of weekend just past. It's because they had a program in place and it was just as easy for them to bring it forward a week than it was to wait until next week. So he's repeated there and reinforced that it wasn't because of safety measures. It's just very good timing, which, which probably is correct. And technology does prove that you can do it so quickly, ready for Friday night. What does this mean for teams going into the game? Well, not just Friday night. There's three games at Bankwest this weekend, so they're obviously going to get a workout that new turf. I, I think the look of it, it got, got a lot of people looking at it and thinking, OK, this, this doesn't look right, it was chopped up. But I think, yeah, obviously, when you're playing that many games of football, and, and you've got to remember, out west as well, it's, it's dewy, it's wet underfoot, just naturally it's a lot colder out west. So I think a lot of players have noticed that Bank West is a more slippery surface naturally. So when you have so much traffic on it, it's going to get chewed up. So, I, I, look, three games this weekend, we'll get a test of how it looks after that period. I can't believe that they can resurface it and relay that mm. turf so quickly. Yeah. Um, but other breaking news out this afternoon was the Queensland government have updated their uh, coronavirus protocols coming in and out of state. Um, they have four schedule changes we've seen for the AFL sides. But as for the NRL, there's no amendment to our plan. So the Queensland Chief Health Officer is satisfied. Our game has complied with the state's operational plan. Michael, this is great news. It's great news. It's great news for the Melbourne Storm. They're based at the moment in the Sunshine Coast. Luckily for the Storm, they were out of Melbourne on Wednesday to come down to Sydney to play a game last week when there was only, I think, 11 at the time coronavirus cases in Victoria. So the timing has worked out well there. Now they've had two tests last week, the whole 
everyone in the bubble had coronavirus tests. Everyone there has returned negative and they'll get another test this week, which has allowed them to um, continue as is. Yeah. So they're clear from the tests that have been so far. And look, to, to be fair to the storm, obviously their families are all with them and it's going to be a little bit of a burden to move away from home and, and spend some time. But they're on a resort in the Sunshine Coast, spending <laughs> time together. All the kids must be going mad up there having a good time. So, yeah, look, it's not easy, but it's a lot better situation with the Warriors have to deal with. I did hear Dale Finucan speaking about, I think there's 20 partners and at least 30 kids up there, plenty of room, not a bad place to holiday. But I'm sure Craig Bellamy will not let that side holiday at all. They'll be straight into it. Um, now, in other news, the fixtures did get confirmed from the NRL. So, like you did mention, uh, Michael, there's three game still to be played at Bank West but we did see a couple of changes including the Seagulls and the Knights will play their match at Lotto Land. Do you like that we are introducing a big one there, Raiders and Dragons back at GIO Stadium? Uh, good luck to the Dragons playing down there with a disgruntled Raiders side, right? <laughs> that's that's the big one for me. The Raiders being able to go back home. Back home. They're the ones that have been disadvantaged probably the most Oh, well, maybe not disadvantage. It's, uh, look, yeah, there's, there's a lot of teams. The Warriors are playing away from home. The Knights are playing away from home. But I think they felt the impact the most. Sally. Canberra love playing in Canberra. Yeah, they do. It's an excuse, though. They're not playing well at the moment, the Canberra Raiders. They'll be happy to get home. But I think we saw how important the crowd and, and being back at your home stadium can be with the North Queensland Cowboys, how yeah. more energetic they were to be able to play. But if Canberra are relying on going back to GIO Stadium and, and coming up with a performance, then, yeah, their, their focus is not on that. They want, they've got a lot of things to fix up. Yeah. Absolutely. We did mention the Melbourne Storm who are in the sunny state, but also in the sunny state, which is not so bright for the Brisbane Broncos, suffering their fifth straight defeat and currently sitting second last on the ladder. Since the resumption from the COVID-19 lockdown, the Broncos have scored 42 points. They've conceded 172 points. And the stress levels are beyond in that coach's box. to Anthony Don, Sammy for the corner! And the game is over. As they say, they've seen enough. But it's really tough at the moment, there's no doubt about that. The woes of the Broncos continue on. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. I'll get up and go again in the morning. Yeah, Anthony Seabold did say in his post-match press conference that he is on a long-term deal and it's a long-term project, but Michael, does it take two to three years to get this roster up and going or should it be already performing? I spoke to Broncos chairman Carl Morris yesterday uh, for the Sydney Morning Herald and we spoke about the roster that he's inherited and he spoke about issues with the roster that Anthony Seabold inherited. I, I was sort of a bit mystified as to those comments because we all thought when Anthony Seabold went up there that he was inheriting a roster that was, if, hadn't, if they hadn't entered a premiership window, we're about to enter a premiership window. Now, we're talking about a club entering a rebuild phase. Like Anthony Seabold left the South Sydney Rabbitohs a prelim final to go coach a team. Would, you, would anyone go and do that, leave a team that's in the prelims to go and coach a club that needs to be rebuilt? No, I, I, Anthony Seabold went up there knowing the talent that he had at his disposal. Otherwise, I don't think Anthony Seabold would have left. And now we're talking about rebuild and youngsters. Sure, they've got injuries this year, but what they've done in the last two, well, 18 months since Wayne Bennett has left, and to now point the finger at Wayne and say these are issues that he left us, I think that's pretty rich, to be honest with you. I, I can't blame Wayne Bennett. I think every coach in the NRL would have been licking their lips to take on that job that Anthony Seabold took over.
We have a look at that roster. So it was the best forward, young forward pack we'd seen in a long, long time. And that's not us who's saying it. That's some of the club legends saying how excited they were to come through. And I totally agree. I don't understand why you would leave one game short of a grand final to be able to go back and coach a youngster team if you're looking at a rebuild. The word rebuild shouldn't, is never in the Broncos' vocabulary. This is a team, this is a club that's one of the most recognisable brands in Australia. And Anthony Seabold has got to own up to the fact that he has, has not progressed these players to the point where they are up to NRL standard week to week and they are struggling at the moment. We understand that they've got injuries, some of they got, but they have they're not missing Jonathan Thurston. They're not missing you know, we've seen clubs miss players a lot and play with a lot more, I guess, desire than what we saw on the weekend. Yeah, look, Katoni Sags, David Fafita, they they are big losses. But that's fine. Lose and lose with dignity. They're losing and embarrassing themselves. Mm. They're not putting in performances that that roster should be putting in. It's like they don't care, the players. And, and that, unfortunately for Anthony Seabold, it comes back to the coach. It's a reflection of the coach. And at the moment, they are playing pretty poorly with a lack of regard for the club and the history that stands before them. Michael, you bring up a good point. And Jamie, I've got a question for you. After the game, we did see a number of players, including Isaac Luke, uh, smile, laugh with other teammates. He went to Twitter today to defend his actions after that loss to the Titans. And you mentioned rebuild. If there's any club that's always on the rebuild, it's the Titans. It's certainly not the Broncos. But what would you say if you saw that behaviour or attitude from your teammates after that loss? Uh, I think, look, personally, you have a chat to Isaac if you've got that relationship. Now, Isaac Luke plays in the middle. He's a premiership winner. He's played for his country. He, he puts his body on the line every game. I think it's a bit unfair to judge him after three games, you know, to, to be smiling after the game. People react differently. It's, you know, the, the fans can't have their cake and eat it too. I remember a time down in Canberra, I think you covered the game actually, I walked off after we lost on the siren and didn't shake anyone's hand and was oh, a bad sports person, you know, doesn't, have any, doesn't feel for the game, anything like that. What do you want from the players? You know, after the game's done, he's going to be up all night, probably reviewing, resting his body, trying to get ready to go again for next week. He's not, the, he's not the problem up there, Isaac Luke. After the game, some people react differently. We're seeing kids these days. We interview kids all the time and we're saying, oh, did you see that game on the weekend? They've got no idea what happened on the weekend. They don't watch footy. So I think but they're not playing it. I'm, what I'm saying is that it's not how it used to be, how you have to hurt and you have to, you know, go. People don't you react naturally hurt after five straight losses? He'd be hurting. So, you, but how do you laugh? But it, to be it's, fair, it's, it's not about the laugh after the game. You judge his performance on in the in the game. Whatever he does after the game, yes, it's not a great look. But whatever he does after the game is Isaac Luke. It's, we, we've got to get away from who knows what's going on. In, he might have just said to Sam, "Can you believe I'm here? I was at the Warriors to start of the year. I've been to the Dragons. Now I'm at the Broncos, and they have a laugh. Who knows what they were talking about?" To be fair to the Broncos, we didn't see vision of many of their players giggling or chatting with, or laughing with the rest of the, um, the Titans boys. It was Isaac Luke. And to be fair to Isaac, he's been there two minutes. Like, he is not going to... You can't expect Isaac Luke to have the same care factor that Anthony Milford and Darius Boyd, who have been at this club for a long, long time. I'm sorry, you just can't fake that. It, it, Isaac Luke is happy to be playing first grade. I, don't, I understand Broncos fans getting upset with that, but he's not going to have the same care factor as someone who is invested into that club, is on big dollar. He's just there to finish his career, to be fair to Isaac Luke. And he's there to help win games. He but is. He's not, he's not the he problem. Is, but he's not, well, just like this problem. panel, we all have different views on it. And I know Alex Glenn was on Instagram today saying that imagine how they feel. They've lost five straight. They're hurting. Don't worry. But uh, another issue, we talk about Anthony Seabold. And on the weekend, we saw Kevin Walters um, quoted, if Anthony wants me 100%, I will help out. Would you welcome Kevin Walters to Red Hill after knowing he was the other candidate going for that top job? 
well, not just the other candidate, the candidate that was filthy that he didn't get the job. Absolutely. I think Kevin Walton thought he had that job, and a lot of the Brisbane old boys thought he deserved that job given what he's done in the game and done for that club. Now, it'll come back to Anthony Seabold and, and whether he's whether there's a, a level of paranoia around his job, because if he's paranoid that his job is on the line, then would you welcome somebody into the fold who is the biggest threat to taking over from your position? It's going to come down to Anthony Seabold and, and whether he actually has a say in this. I know that Brisbane are saying it is his decision to make whether he welcomes him into the team or not. But if you're being pressured from the people above who are recommending or advising you to add Kevy to the roster and bring him into the coaching staff, well, aren't you at this point when you're under so much pressure doing what they say? It puts a lot of pressure on the club. Yeah. If they're forcing Anthony Seabold to bring in the other candidate who was told he had the job, uh, it's a lot of pressure on Anthony to not only deal with the team and what they're going through, but also, as Michael just said, paranoid about losing his job to the next uh, to Kevin Walters. So, um, yeah, I, look, I don't think... You know, Kevy's a fantastic coach, but I don't think making that one change and adding more drama to the fold is what they need at the moment. Mm. Before we do get on to Sweet or Sour, just one more question, gents. Would you be contemplating signing with the Broncos and maybe considering the Titans if you're David Fafita? I don't sign now. If I'm David Fafita, I'll wait and see what unfolds because mm. all the signs show that things could unravel at Brisbane and, and get pretty ugly over the next few months. If they don't beat the Warriors this week, good luck. Yeah, I don't think there's any rush for David Fafita uh, at the moment to, to do anything. We know that he's, he's going to demand top dollar wherever he goes and at the moment there's no need for him to rush into any, uh, any term of, of agreement with another club or with the Broncos. He can just get himself right and see what unfolds. They wouldn't be in this mess if they just didn't sign you know, someone like Matt Lodge, who they paid nearly $900,000 for. Like, they wouldn't be having a scrape for money if they just played it smarter with recruitment. In the short, here's what I see with the Broncos. They brought Brady Croft in. Tom Dearden had been in the system. They bring a guy who'd been in a structured system down in the Melbourne Storm and, and probably hadn't cemented his spot. So there's question marks over that. Tom did, and it was in the junior system. The forwards are telling the halfback what to do instead of the halfback telling the forwards what to do. That's why you're getting inconsistencies with their attack. There's no fluency. So, um, again, and the, the substitutions on the weekend, didn't come off the bench and play hooker. He's a halfback. Don't, don't embarrass the kid. Mm. Yeah, if you're going to make a statement, you drop Anthony Milford or you drop Brody Croft and you put Dearden in the seven and you say, right, everyone else is on notice. You don't put Jermaine Asako back to the bench and that's with all due respect to these players but you don't just put, drop them back to the bench. You drop them out of the team, they go away and learn and you bring someone else in and you give them a chance to prove themselves whether they want to be a Bronco or not. Putting them on the bench doesn't do anything. It's just like sending you to send your kids to your room and they've got a TV and PlayStation there. Great. <laughs> well, I've got you fired up. I want you to finish this sentence. If the Broncos lose to the Warriors on Saturday, dot, dot, dot. Go, Jamie. Anthony Seabold will be sacked. Michael? Should I repeat the question? Bring in the Brisbane Bombers. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I don't think they're going to sack Anthony Seabold. No. Okay. He's got at least till the end of the year. He won't get sacked. Okay, no worries. Sweet or sour? Yeah, time for sweet or sour. Geez, I've got a lot of criticism every time I get something wrong, but this week it's about me. Uh, before the game on uh, Saturday night, I did it for 2GB. We saw the Canberra Raiders taking on the Parramatta Reels and actually tipped a draw just there, a little tweet, uh, and a draw an extra time. And wouldn't you know, Katie and Chamis, I finally got one right, so it's time to give myself a little bit of sweet. It was a great game. Uh, you talk about adversity and Parramatta, what they've gone through on a serious note. Gutherson to come up with that clutch play. The Raiders 
I think they learnt something about their attack when the game was sort of gone because they freed up a little bit. You saw Nick O'Clockstad be able to support the ball a little bit more, but it was a fantastic game, and I thought, you know what? I'm feeling good this week. It's time to give myself a little bit of love. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that you've been very sweet. I'm actually jumping on the back of your segment this week with a soured, and I don't don't want to take the limelight away from you because what you did guess was great, but it's regarding Corey Horsburgh. So to give our audience some context, uh, he did get injured and he knew it immediately. He did limp off, but before that, you can see him um, obviously very emotional, very distraught and upset. Um, So... As he's getting up off the tackle, he's he's getting very defensive and he gets to the point where he, he starts crying. He's sobbing and he's trying to hold it in, but he's overwhelmed and he knows immediately that something bad's happened to his, his ankle uh, and he's walked off. But basically, he was, he was sort of seen flipping the bird as well. Um, he became the centre of jokes over social media and we know the image of masculinity is a huge part of men's mental health in issues around our society. So, Michael and Jamie, my point to you is, I'm a female, but from a male's perspective, um, was it okay to, to make him the centre of jokes or is this actually serious and we should be treating it sensitively? No, you, could, you should be treating it sensitively. And as a person that's been made fun of with all those memes and stuff that goes on out there throughout my career and in, and in uh, post-retirement as well, what happens is you, know, you put so much emotion into preparing for the game and on the weekend we saw Corey Hosborough emotionally upset and it was tough to watch it was really tough to watch but what happens is you get all those tossers out there they get behind their keyboard and they feel like it's all right to make fun of people and you know they go on week to week and they'd never say anything to your face and they keep going on about it and they don't realize the effect that it takes on to be able to get up and get prepared for a game and for the Parramatta fans out there and I'm not saying all of them but for the Parramatta fans out there that were booing Corey Horsburgh off because he got injured it was really, really tough to watch that and, and I hope that we, we learn from that as a game because mental health has never been a bigger issue in our game than what it is right now and it was really tough to watch him limp off like that. Yeah, we absolutely love when players show their emotion and feel uh, in a vulnerable state and feel like they can be open about it. Uh, hit or miss coming up very soon but Michael, you have reported in the Sydney Morning Herald that Benji's manager has been shopping around to see if there is a hopeful club for him to finish his career at. Um, Michael Maguire did speak to NRL.com's Brad Walter and was emphatic in the sense that he wasn't going anywhere as part of the Tigers' plan, but realistically, could he still leave the Tigers? Well, the door is open if he wants to explore that option. Now, his manager has explored that option. He has spoken to a number of clubs, three or four clubs, about the potential of Benji Marshall finishing his career elsewhere. Now, I rang Benji before I wrote the story, and he's, he was adamant that he was going to stay at the club and see out his time there, but his manager... Whether he's acting, well, he, he says he hasn't spoken to his manager about acting for him to go and speak to other clubs. Now, that has happened, and Benji Marshall faces the prospect now of potentially finish his, finishing his career on the sidelines. So, at the end of the day, August 3 is the transfer deadline. If his manager comes back to him with an offer at a club and says, Your choice is either to stick it around here and hope for the best, or you could go here and potentially play in a team, finish your career playing in a team that may win a comp. That's Benji's decision. Now, Benji at the moment is saying he doesn't want to. And he's spoken to the Tigers and they've assured him, he's assured them that he's part of the plans, but his manager's going around and asking different questions. So look into that as you may. And Benji Marshall at this point is a Tiger, but we'll be interested to see what happens in the next month if he doesn't get back on the field. I feel like you're mm. trying not to have an opinion, which oh, is odd. Yeah, oh, look, Craig Bellamy, he'd be on the phone straight away. He'd be the perfect fit down there. Yeah, he put Jerome So Hughes. do you think the Storm would benefit most? 
well, out of an injured club right now? No, Cameron Munster for the next six weeks. They could use Benji Marshall down there at the moment, but also Marshall and Munster with Smith and Pappenhausen. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that puts them right back in the frame. And Manly might be the other one that, that will have a little nibble because... Would it be more enticing to stay in a Sydney club so he doesn't have to move his family? Well, you've got to realise, we've only got 13 weeks. Like, he might have to just go for 13. It's yeah. not like you're moving to another state for six, 12 months. This is 13 weeks of football plus finals if it gets that far. The other thing is, does he put his reputation of what he's rebuilt at the Tigers back on the line uh, to go on and finish at another club? To be fair, if I'm the West Tigers and Benji Marshall, I'm not saying he will, but if Benji Marshall came and asked for a release, I turn around and say, mate, if we have an injury, you have no halves. You're staying yeah. with us. We cannot let you go. But on the flip side, I can understand if Benji Marshall comes to the point where he's thinking, you know what? I don't want to finish my career sitting on the bench doing nothing. I can contribute. I want to play. I can understand that. So it's a tough one on both parties here. We'll see how it unfolds over the next month. I don't think this will be the last we hear of this. Okay. And, I mean, Benji hasn't confirmed that he will retire at season's end either. So what if he signed an incredible two- or three-year deal? I'll leave my eyes up to the Sydney Morning Herald's <laughs> Michael Chamis column. All right, it's now time for Hit or Miss. All right, up first, Storm will make the sunny coast a stronghold hit or miss, Michael? Hit. Uh, they'll have family around, they'll have a great support network, and if anyone's built for this and has the, you know, the resilience in a club to change their culture and adapt to a situation, it's the Melbourne Storm. I think they'll actually be a better football team playing in Queensland. Like it, the conditions will suit Pappenhausen, they'll suit Cameron Smith. They will be unbelievable in dry conditions. They have to play in Melbourne and dewy surface. Imagine when they have a, a dry football field at Suncorp Stadium. They're going to be a better football team. Michael? I mean, Jamie? <laughs> what he said. Hit. Oh, that's lovely. Okay. <laughs> Used up a lot my, my time today. Did he, he steal said. your answer? Pretty much, as okay. always. Thanks we'll for talk the, about thanks this later. before the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sharks are a different side with an informed Sean Johnson hit or miss. I'll go to you first, Jamie. Hit, but you know the, the consistencies around Sean Johnson's game. The last two weeks, yes, he's been fantastic, and I called for Moylan and Chad Townsend, who I thought had a better combination uh, to be in the halves. But what we're seeing from Johnson, he leads the, the game in try assists. He's been fantastic. I just want to be able to see the, the different shapes. The game right now is made for Sean Johnson. And if you see Chad Townsend and Moylan attack, it's nice and direct. They can get over the advantage line. This is perfect for Sean Johnson. He should be chewing this competition up. But I just don't know if it's going to be consistent enough. I hope it is for Sharks fans, but have they left themselves too much work to do? They've got the easiest draw out of anyone else in the competition to be able to make a run. So if it continues how it's going, then yes. It's a hit for me, and you're going to probably call me an idiot, but when the Sharks signed Sean Johnson, they knew what they were getting. They weren't getting Cooper Cronk. They were getting Sean Johnson. He's erratic, he's inconsistent. Do you not you tell your players... Sean Johnson's going to run sideways. Sean Johnson's going to kick early. He's going to do things you don't expect. Be ready and be able to play off the back of that but, and play to his strengths. But he this is the problem. This is what I see. Yes, it, there's so much good stuff, but then there's the erratic play that we're not sure. If you're Nakora, he's not getting any ball at the moment. He's getting that unders line that goes back into the middle just to set up a play. That's what they signed. They knew what they were I'm getting. Just saying, Sean Johnson has yeah, been didn't that know for Nakora 10 years. was going to have the year he did last year. Jesse Ramian hits a hole on the weekend off Matt Moylan drifting across field. They need some more consistencies and other ways to be able to get those two dynamic players the ball. Mm. And, and they need to know what Sean Johnson's doing. You need to build a I don't think Sean Johnson knows what Sean Johnson is doing. And that's, that can be the problem sometimes. 
you know, you need to have something to go back on. If, if teams figure you out, like Manly on the weekend, that was, that was not Manly, right? No. That was a different team. If that's the Roosters, you, know, jo you think Josh Morris is going to be coming up and in on that? You think Brett Morris and Daniel Tupo are going to be giving away little kick tries? Like, you compare the teams, that you, if you want to be a, a title contender, you compare yourself against the Roosters. Mm. And if they were to play the Roosters right now, the, shark, uh, the Roosters would lap them. Okay. Oh, I'm not calling them title contenders. I'm just saying, they would, they would chew Johnson up and they would yeah. work him out quickly. Let's move on to Storm. Cam Smith and Harry Grant can both be at the club in 2021, hit or miss? They can hit. Technically? Technically they can if, if, if obviously there's a clause well, yeah, in Harry they? Grant's contract that will allow him to play away from Melbourne if, if Cameron Smith plays on. Now, I know the Storm don't want to lose Harry Grant, but they're no guarantee that Cameron Smith is retiring. So potentially what I'm hearing is they're thinking about playing Cameron Smith at seven bring Harry Grant back to play at nine if he, if he wants to come back. It's, he doesn't have to. And Brandon Smith as a lock slash bench player. And that'll ensure they don't lose a hooker that many are, are looking at and thinking he's going to be the best number nine for a long time in this game. Look, with all due respect to Harry Grant, a fantastic player. What we're seeing him do at the West Tigers is something that they've really lacked the last couple of years. Brandon Smith's a New Zealand hooker. Yeah, he's been biding his time down there. He showed his versatility, and I get the fact that you could move Smith into the halves and Munster and have Harry Grant there as well, but surely within the Melbourne circle, Brandon Smith's earned the opportunity to be the first choice number nine after biding his time there and re-signing to stay at the, at the Melbourne club because he wanted to be the number nine when Smith retired. So it's a tough one, but if they can get them all there, I mean, they're, they're back in that premiership window, but I think it might be a bit tough. Let me ask you this. Can the Melbourne Storm, or is it disrespectful, to say to Cameron Smith, mate, your, your time is up. We cannot lose this kid. Disrespectful. Yeah, and they we know that Craig that. Bellamy has said that he will never they will not tell Cameron what to do. It'll be Cameron. Even if it costs them the, the best hooker for the next 10 years. They will not do that. They'll rely on Cameron Smith to make the, the best decision, not only for the Melbourne Storm, but for himself as well. There you go. Lucky you're not the host. You'd get us into so much trouble. <laughs> All, right. All right, to the coaching scene. Craig Fitz, uh, Fitzgibbon should take the job at the Warriors. Now, to give it some context, uh, your colleague Danny Widler did tweet that if Craig wants the job, it's his uh, for the Warriors. But is it the right opportunity? Should he take his opportunity now? I don't think it's the right job for Craig Fitzgibbon. And from what I've, the people I've spoken to, I think he's going to honour his word with the Roosters. He has a contract there. He has a very strong relationship with Nick Politis that goes back two decades from his playing days. So, you know, he's won comps there as an assistant, he's won comps as a player. Uh, if, if he feels he has the blessing of the Roosters to go, he will go. But he won't upset the Roosters on his way out. Adam O'Brien upset the Roosters, rightly or wrongly, he upset the Roosters on the way out. They thought they had him for a few more years. I think Craig Fitzgibbon has a lot of ties to the club and unless he has their blessing, he'll be staying around. Jamie? Yeah, Miss, I think that New Zealand need, you know, it's going to be a three, four year rebuild. They don't, they don't need a, a young coach, they need someone that's going to be Nathan Brown-esque for Newcastle. Go over there and understand that uh, Premiership is not within the next, with not not within reach in the next couple of years, that they need to be able to develop some guys and get some you know, more people over there playing rugby league and bring those guys through. But yeah, Fitzy will be at the Roosters and he said that today, so okay. I don't think he'll change anytime soon. No worries. Last but not least, Super League's Luke Thompson must play for the Bulldogs on Sunday, hit or miss. Jamie, I'll go to you. Hit. I've been hearing so much about him and he's been tearing the competition apart over there. So uh, I think if you're Dean Pay, you, you get him on the field as, as soon as possible because the Bulldogs, when you watch the Bulldogs play, I know that they're last on the ladder, but 
they don't look like a team that's running last. They just look like a team that's just lacking a little bit of finesse. And plus, if someone wants to set up that gym in the hotel and train like that with the Swiss ball and everything like that, give him a chance. That's, what, what's he out here for? He's out here to play footy. Mm. Well, he hasn't run in two weeks, Sally, and he would have travelled a couple of days of travel. So, he, you know, you're getting to two and a half weeks without running. I don't know what Luke Thompson's fitness levels are, but if I'm Luke Thompson, I don't want to go into my first game in the NRL when all eyes on me as the saviour of next year, as the, he's the man they're getting. Well, that's what they're looking at this guy as the first piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Right? He's not. Okay. So that's different to what you just said about being so, the saviour. First piece saviour of the puzzle. The last piece of the puzzle. The okay. first piece of the puzzle. Do I want to go out and be blowing in after three minutes? Like, it's not. I don't know. I think you need a week under his belt, then get back out Luke there. Came like here to play. Luke came here to play in the best competition in the world. Let's see him play in the best competition in the world. I love it. As, I'm not picking up my as fantasy As not the saviour. <laughs> I'm not picking up my fantasy team. He won't play big minutes. What? Okay. He can't right. be that fit, surely. Oh, gosh, we'll discuss this <laughs> forever and ever. We'll let Dean pay decide. He is the head coach. Okay, we will get to Champ or Chump in a moment, but first, let's go to power rankings. This week's Powerade Power Rankings see the Gold Coast Titans after an impressive win against the Brisbane Broncos climb up off the bottom. It was a great win for the Gold Coast Titans. The trouble is finding that consistency, though. The 7-6 and six were great on the weekend, but they need to bottle that and take it from week to week. Well, that's a good way of finding consistency. Stick with Jamal Fogarty, Ash Taylor. They've got something to build there going forward. Young AJ Brimson comes back into the side. Potentially David Fafita coming up. Things are looking good. It's such a shame Jai Arrow's going, but the same can't be said about their counterparts down the road. Yeah, I like the effort of the Gold Coast Titans. They've been in games. They tried really hard. One team that hasn't been in games is the Brisbane Broncos. They go to the bottom of the power rankings this week for the first time in three years. I can't believe I'm saying the Brisbane Broncos are down the bottom. They look like a team that's disinterested. We've spoken earlier on in the show about how much they are struggling, but where do they go from here? They've got the half and five eight. They're just not getting the job done. Do they need to make a change? Well, as Anthony Seabolt said, they've made all the changes. There's not much left. Tom Dearden could come in, yes, but Brisbane are lucky there's no buy in this competition. They could be 17th on the power rankings if the buy was around. They're, they are that bad at the moment. <laughs> the Penrith Panthers, another impressive win over South Sydney on the weekend. It's off the back of Nathan Cleary. His form's been absolutely outstanding. His forward pack's getting him in the right position, and they're just competing on every play. I look at this try here. Their attack around Kikau is struggling. They haven't got that right shape, but they compete on every play. Dylan Edwards, he's adapted to the new rules. They're not playing out the back to him. They're playing over the advantage line. They are a real mover and shaker. They are, and what a signing Appy Coruscant has been for them. And the way they like to play their football, Nathan Cleary has really benefited from, from Appy Coruscant joining, rejoining the club in the off-season. I, I think Penrith are the real deal. They could, they could do something special this year. These young kids coming through, we'll keep an eye on uh, Penrith and see how they climb. He's the perfect fall for Nathan Cleary. Make sure you keep an eye out for the NRL.com Power Rankings every Monday. Do. Thanks, Jamie. And we always like to finish our show with Champ or Chump. If you are a member in the audience, remember you want to be champed, not chumped. So first up, Keegan Hipgrave. Uh, I think in 2020 he has learnt a new tackle technique. Jens, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> That's Wendell Saylor used to tackle me like that at training. <laughs> <laughs> he's, and he's got big glutes. So, it's uh, yeah, look, just trying to get him down, I think. That's a, that's Are you champing or jumping? Come on. Champ. What a champ. That's the that's ultimate champing from Hipgrave. That's, that's the ultimate champion <laughs> to uh, pay enough. So, uh, yeah, no, look, I'll, I'll champion. I don't mind a bit of a laugh on a, uh, 
on a Saturday night. That's the, that's all the Broncos yeah. fans had to laugh about, unfortunately. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, now I, I don't I don't want to leave on this note, but Jamie, I'm throwing you under the bus because um, <laughs> you're you're being champion chump this week. If yeah. you didn't know, yes. Yep. All right, I don't want to be yes. this person, but your wife Maddie. Mm. Looks absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Rocking the 28 weeks down, although it feels like 38 already. It's gorgeous, isn't Congratulations it? on the second baby coming on the way. But, but this, I am sorry. This is brilliant, sure, but it is <laughs> so chump worthy. <laughs> There's no pillow in there either. No. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah. I've got to chump you. I have to be that person. You were chumped. Look, on the bright side, Katie, I actually carry quite well. Um, <laughs> Sitting quite high there, so look, yeah, uh, my beautiful wife, she's going through all the uh, pleasures of, you know, carrying a baby, so I just thought, look, I'll help you out as much as I can, and uh, we had a little bit of fun. Is that a fan of pregnancy? For me, that's just post-retirement pregnancy. That's not not wanting to go to the gym pregnancy. I've never regretted flicking right so much in my life. That was... uh... It was a good surprise, right? I got you. I got you engaged. And I was trying so hard not to tell you what was in Champ or Jump this week. I knew it was coming. Did you? (laughs) Yeah. No, you didn't. I work with a pair of chumps, so I need <laughs> Oh, righto. Okay, well, that's it for the show. Enjoy round eight this weekend. We'll be back next one next Monday. Until then, have a good one.